True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. Now, you're out there, you have acres and acres, hundreds of acres. All you have to do is water <laughs> okay. and mow, and they'll do the rest. Nope. Weed control, which you hate, fertilization, mm -hmm. aer aeration. Can't stand it. Among others. They'll do all that. So you can do literally anything else. Dana's out there like Yellowstone. You have better things to do in your free time. I know you do. You don't want to focus on lawn care. True green is too good to be true, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. But it is true. Right, David? Because yeah. you're going to have more time to do yeah, things that you want to focus on. All the hard work and it gets yeah. you to a great lawn. That's what you want. You take care of everything else you got to do in your life. You're very busy. Let True Green take care of this one thing. Get it off your plate. You know what? I do have some space. I want to put some grass down. Some I, I might. This, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll call you later, talk, True Green. Talk to True Green. <laughs> Where can listeners mm -hmm. purchase or learn more? You go to TrueGreen.com. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. Whoa. They offer a satisfaction guaranteed, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. That is such a cool thing. Good job, True Green. You're nailing it. Cheryl Crow is such a super talent. Great. We're doing musical uh, people now that were mm -hmm. music guests on the show. Uh, I know Cheryl a little bit from the old days and seeing her out. And um, what, what a, a sweet girl. Uh, she has done so many things. She sings with everybody that's famous. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, highly respected. We had a great chat with her. Uh, very yeah, cool girl. If you look at her, her peers or singer-songwriters, mm -hmm. female, from the 90s till now, I mean, her legacy... The amount of anthems she wrote, the amount of great hits. Um, so it's a really fun chat we had with her. And she's, um, you know, as likable as, as they come. Yeah. And just knowing she has all that talent. And she started playing the guitar at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. All, all, every girl I know uh, in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, if, that, if any of those songs come on, you know, they, they all love Cheryl. Uh, she knows what she's doing writing, everything. And so mm -hmm. I've seen her in concert. She kicks ass. I saw her documentary. Mm -hmm. We talk about that. Um, she's a great yeah, We great had fun. She said at one point, she said, could I tell this story? And I said, if it makes you happy. If it makes you. I go, my. So that's like, once you get that song in your head, you never get it out. That's such a banger. I mean. Yeah, that's her. That's one of the anthems. If the girl's always you. saying, I'm not the kind of girl you take home. If it makes you. See, I hit it. Why I'm are you so sad? Yeah. Her stuff is sneakily uh, deep. You know, she has yeah. these pop anthems, but the lyrics are pretty heavy. And we do get into the Beatles a little bit. Sorry, they're they're kind of part of our podcast. It's part of the deal, and it was man. fun to hear uh, her 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 sense of the Beatles. I don't want to give it away, but yeah. I would stay tuned for that. It's yeah. very very interesting. Here's Cheryl Crow. I want Dana to come see. Dana, look, I know Cheryl, you dick. Oh my gosh. It's been 3,000 years since I've seen either one of you. Hi, Cheryl. Weren't you at the 40th? Hi. You were at the 40th, weren't you? Yes, I was. I yes. was. So that's when we last saw each other. 
When was that? 2016, I think. That was 40 years okay. into SNL. Yeah, I know. It's It, it feels like, yeah. <laughs> Cheryl. Cheryl Crow is with us. I just like to say this. 32 Grammy nominations, nine wins, and 50 million albums. There. Just to re-remind everyone what the fuck is going on right what? now. What? Yeah. Cheryl. Let me put on my glasses so I can see you. Okay, yes. You She's both like, are looking wait. very well. I'm sorry that your listeners can't see us visiting with each other through our camera screens. I know. Even though this is all audio, I spent about 45 minutes on my chair and lighting and stuff. <laughs> 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 I don't know why. Oh, I, I, I spackled my face. You I got your guitars my back there. The I'm, hair's looking great. Oh, Dana. Look I've at always Dana. Loved you. Dana looks like he's in solitary confinement. People this can't room see is him. empty of a <laughs> void, but my son had all my son's models and little army men are in a plastic container and the laptop's on top of it. So it's very nostalgic when I do this. Aww. He's 28 now, but now I'm I know what, Dana. What is that room that you're in that has no art on the wall? <laughs> Nothing. Are you? Is it everything must it's go? Very sale? personal. <laughs> I have um, sleep paralysis, so I have to sleep in an empty house because they'll come for me. I have it. Yeah. Okay. I have sleep paralysis. How often? Um, I have not had it in a while, but now for a long time I would have it. Uh, almost every night and I would have it periodically through the night. And what's weirder, and I don't know if you have this, I'm sure this is so interesting to your listeners. Do you ever have sleep paralysis on an airplane? No, I can't sleep on an airplane because I'm too terrified no matter what. Even I, okay. I, I just watch the computer and check the pilots. But so you go to sleep, I, I on sleep an airplane. like a damn baby on an airplane. Well, if you You're had lucky. any other the sleep paralysis is basically uh, you feel like something's attacking you invisibly in the night, or there's a weight on your what? chest. It's like a waking nightmare, kind of. You can't wake yourself up, and yet you think that you're awake. awake. Like you, you yes. see people in the room moving, and you're trying desperately to get them to wake you up because you're, you're paralyzed. Yes, you can't move. And the thing that got me, I was at the first time, San Ysidro Ranch in Montecito, whatever, you know, Lifestyles Rich and Famous, yeah. And just woke up, or I was had that pressure on my chest, like something mm -hmm. was crawling on top of me. And then I kind of went, okay, that was a dream. Used the restroom, went back to bed, felt I was as awake as I am right now, and then came back again. Yeah. But now I yeah. talk to it. It's never harmed me. I don't know if it's a spirit thing or something. But Dana, then what did you do? I beat the shit out of it. No, you left, <laughs> didn't you? Well, I, my wife was sound asleep. So I turned to her and said, we have to go now. It's three in the morning. We have to leave immediately. And uh, she's a keeper. She's a keeper because she didn't even blink. She's like, okay. Okay, honey. Yeah. It's, it's okay, honey. See, I thought it was just mostly in women. The women in my family have it. My mom has managed through the years to figure out how to get my dad oh. to wake her up. And she does it by singing. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Well, you're in Nashville. Isn't that full of ghosts out no, there? She's not, that's kind of. She's that, a, isn't it full of ghosts, like old country singers and stuff? I mean, walking yeah, around in the Civil night. War, <laughs> lots of Civil War yeah. uh, ghosts in Franklin. Oh, it's never a dull moment down here. And we live in the I rainforest, except for when Cheryl it, was in Guitar Center. <laughs> it does look like Guitar Center in here. She has 30 guitars behind her. Uh, Cheryl, I've been to Smashville, and next time I go there, I'm going to make you come down to the Ryman and watch me bomb. I'm so mad that you've been here and not called me. 
I take it very personally. <laughs> you know, the last time I saw you, but you lived um, somewhere in the canyon. Yeah. If you had some beautiful house. I lived right it was next, like a couple of houses. Right next to Runyon Canyon. Okay. And yeah. um, I won't give you the address because somebody else that's kind of high profile lives there now. However, that being said, I used to have wild parties at my house. And I don't know if you remember this. And this, I've only been thinking about it lately because hmm. um, of salmon rusty being in the news um not to mention we just played chautauqua but so i'm sure you know what happened to salmon rusty so many driver and i decided this is years ago i'm trying mm-hmm. to think of what year it would have been salmon's usually my plus one at parties Continue. he is he's he is <laughs> it's he is fascinating anyway we said let's have a new year's eve party together and you can invite 40 people and i'll invite 40 people Ooh. and that was gonna be it and by about 11 at night, there must have been 800 people in my house. And one of them was Salman Rushdie. And it was right after his book had come out Satanic and there was a persons. bounty on his head. Oh my God, and I'm yeah. just like, really? Is somebody going to get killed here tonight? What's happening? Oh, wow. Miss Hollywood. Well, your, your house was like, <laughs> a, a bu- was it a bunch of little houses or am I like crazy? Yeah, there was a um, there was a big old Spanish house, and then a, across the driveway, which is the house I bought, and then right across the driveway on the same property were two other houses that were really old. One was built in the nineteen uh, early nineteen hundreds, and the other one was built in eighteen eighty seven. And the guy who lived in those or who at, had those two properties and the eleven acres uh, wound up selling it to me for he just needed to get out and kept lowering the price and lowering the price. And so I wound up with all three houses and it was just compound magical. But once I adopted my boys, I just didn't want to live in LA anymore. Dana, I understand. Dana, uh, I knew Cheryl Suzanne Crow a little bit. Because, you know, uh, everybody, his Rolodex is metaphorical no, Rolodex. I, I just, we used to run around in the same no, crew. No, we Courtney did. I know. And yes. And, oh, yeah. what, what was that peer group? Was it kind of like the little club? Courtney, Courtney, which Courtney, Courtney no, Cox? Uh, Courtney Cox yeah. and uh, Kid She's Rock cool. was around. I was around with Kid Rock because of uh, it was during the Joe Dirt times when I saw Cheryl <laughs> yeah. the most. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, we call him Bobby, which I don't know, it's kind of gross, but we're always like Bobby Bob. But uh, Kid Rock is a buffoon. He's hilarious. And um, we would all go out. And then I would run into Cheryl uh, and with all those other people. And she was always nice. And she was always friendly. And obviously being a superstar. But... Had a lot of fun. She has a great voice, and she has a great singing I've voice, but she has a great the, voice, voice, too. I've heard it. And uh, <laughs> it was fun. I just watched your whole documentary, and uh, so it's just weird to po- have you pop on right after, because I finished it this morning. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. It's great. It's kind of a tearjerker for some reason. There's, I have it on in the background right now. I just glance at it you? and then glance at <laughs> it. It's, uh, it's, it's never a dull moment. It's brilliant. It's I mean, I put it up there with Top Gun. <laughs> I put up there with Top hey, Gun Maverick. By the way, can we sing Top Gun's praises for 10 seconds? Did you see it? I did like Top Gun. I don't know if I... What? what, what? <laughs> Cheryl, it's shockingly good. Out. Like, my wife... Both flip for it. It's like it's oh the new one, the yes. new one. It was so good. Here's how I'm going to connect it and see if you guys connect to this. I connect okay. it to Roman Holiday with Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. Ooh. 
Interesting. The reason Not is a lot of people it's done a lot, but they did it better than anyone else. You invest in the characters, invest in the story, and then there's yep. seven minutes of Han- Hans Zimmerman soundtrack with kind of people hugging each other and giving thumbs up. And that's the yeah. part that gets you. Anyway. Wow. That's it. Okay, I'm going to go back and watch it. I dragged my boys to see it because they had no... No attachment to Top Gun, mm-hmm. and I was yeah, I was kind of skeptical, but I'd heard how great it was, and we loved it. I mean, it was such a good old fashioned plot driven movie. Yeah. Anyway, how old are the kids? My kids are fifteen and twelve. Oh, right in the pocket. There. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, perfect. yeah. They and they seriously don't think I'm cool at all. <laughs> it would be weird mm. if they did. <laughs> be yeah. No oh one's my ever God! Cheryl Crow's cooking <laughs> me <Yeah>. pancakes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tell them to watch the documentary. They'll see how cool you are. Do you think I should let them watch it? I don't know. You're. It, um, I don't look at it from their eyes, but mm-hmm. it's so it shows how tough you are, how hard you bust your ass, how good you are. First of all, everyone that loves is crazy about you. All these huge, huge stars that rally around you, and you're singing with every single one of them. I knew you more like a skim job because when you watch the, you know, when I'd see you out. But we, you know, I don't get into all that stuff, and it's so. Uh, I, I, I have so many more levels to uh, your whole life and career. I had no idea about. No idea. Uh, well, you know, I think most people, and I'm sure you guys too. You guys have stories that nobody knows anything about. No, like I'm so you're interesting. Like a fully and no realized cares. person that's not, yeah. you know, that's not covered in the tabloids and all that stuff. I find that everybody has a story. Everybody. Yes. And way more than you think. I, I wouldn't release mine because no one would believe it. They would just laugh me out of the room. I don't <laughs> There's know. There's a tease. I'd like to know the story <laughs> well, of Dana a, Carvey. Uh, yeah. When yeah. I come to Nashville and we go around to all the main street and we go in the bars, we see all the incredible bands, yeah. I'll tell you everything you want to okay. know. Uh, so okay. my new best friend is Cheryl Crow. I just want to make that announcement. And um, Yeah, make it clear. So you're... The, the thing I got from the documentary, which I recommend to everybody, because it's such a human story, is how hard you worked and how driven you were. Mm-hmm. And then how you, like most people, well, there's certain celebrities I know that are much easier with fame, but how you had a love-hate with that. And we talk about Ugh. that part of the your drive, and yet, why do I want this, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still think fame is a weird... It's a mind, it's a real mind trip. And, and I didn't really adjust to it very well. It, it, for me, instead of it being fun and something I could kind of navigate and manipulate and use to sort of build my brand, which was not the, it, you know, people didn't talk about brand back then. I know. What instead, for me, it was pressure, you know, it was pressure and it was a source of my um, I mean, I've always looked at my life as, okay, how am I going to fuck this up? Or, <laughs> you know, that's just how I've always, I've always been sort of uber critical of myself. I don't know why, but, um, and so fame was just one more avenue for me to, to, to em- fall short or embarrass myself mm. or, you know, it becomes this thing like suddenly you're invited to the party and you're like with all the cool kids mm-hmm. and then you get this weird panic that when is this going to stop and oh i wasn't at that event or i should have been at that or yeah. i wasn't included it's just like it's a another level of panic for you it know, was for me at least cheryl I you get re-reminded it. all the time you, you were saying it in the documentary and you're saying it now 
I would like in tiny ways you get reminded. Like you go to the Golden Globes and you're sitting eight rows back where you were the year before, and you're like, "Is it? Is that, <laughs> that weird?" That part you know? is kind of funny. Or there's <laughs> so many little things you keep getting checked, like where yes. you are in the food chain and Vanity Fair party. They invite you at nine or one a.m. You're like, "Wait a second, yeah, does that matter?" And they're like, "Well, you can't go, and you can't bring a plus one this time, and." Or you can, and all that stuff is someone's in a room deciding your fame level. And uh, <laughs> I yeah, know. and they're all all the pictures of people on the red carpet, and you've like gone out of your way to look hot, and you're not in the oh, pictures. Yeah. Or they'll say <laughs> a magazine. press announcement of like who came, and you're not in those ten they mentioned. You're like, oh, okay. Well, I was gonna say, and one other thing, I I find that I still see my name in the press, and it'll be misspelled. Oh, and I'll just go, okay. Do they misspell okay. Crow or Cheryl? They do a C? Cheryl. They can't get any C. of it Or sometimes right? it'll be like an E on the end of Crow. Yeah. Anyway, it's all, it, that's the mistake. part, that's the part that was so, once I moved, and especially once my boys came, and really, truth be told, after I got diagnosed with cancer, all that stuff just kind of went out the window yeah. and seemed ridiculous, you know? Uh, that same thing happened to me. It happened to me twice. Once with a health issue, I had botched bypass, but it feels good now. And once when I was picking up my son and he, he went in for the play date, he's like nine, he comes out, he has a severely fractured wrist. <laughs> oh my god! It's just like going at a right angle. So he had to drive him to the hospital. And in that moment, everything got real clear, you know? Yeah, I read. Yeah. I read this thing recently based on what we're talking about, and I can't believe I would read something recently that would be helpful in terms of getting dinged in show business. Yeah, the people who criticize you are doing less than you. Ooh, I like that. Isn't it good? Because like we That's would never good. judge you. We know what the work that goes in. You know, I don't ever think of sure. anybody who's hot or not. I just know they have a story and they're talented and whatever. Yeah. But do you go on social media at all and look around and? David's I'm good. so, I mean, my assistant's sitting over here. I'm totally embarrassed, but first of all, I'll say that my kids say I was born in the 1870s. <laughs> I am so not tech, but also I, I have nothing to do with social media. I mean, that's not true. That's not true. I'm involved in my social media, but I don't know how to go on it. I don't know how to post. I hand stuff to Liz and I'll say, can we post about this? This matters or um, but I don't, I just don't do it. My kids don't have social media. I, I oh, already don't. know wow. how my personality is and there's so much mean stuff on there. I would be distraught. So how do you get your kids to not, do they want to be on and you, you don't let them? Well, my 15 year old, um, initially about, about when he turned 12, started begging me for Snapchat. Of course. Sure. About 12 and a half. And all of his friends had Snapchat. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have uh, whatever else that you have. What else is there? Tick didn't have TikTok. Um, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. But um, didn't have TikTok. And then. Um, is that weird? I am weird. I, I love Upworthy. Like I love that that I can get with. But anyway, so he asked me for What's his that? 14th birthday if he could have Snapchat. And I said, oh, my gosh, buddy, you don't have to ask for it for your birthday. So he got that. I mean, that's the weird one because you can't check what they're doing, but there's a thousand sneak ways. It's, yeah, it is sneak chat. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways, though, to see all the TikTok stuff on YouTube and we have all the parameters. At a friend's but, house and, you know. Yeah. You can can't, hard to control. My that. daughter is uh, actually grew up. I don't know where you were in uh, Missouri. She's in Springfield right now. Oh, and not she, far. 
Yeah, so she that's where she's growing up. And so Brad Pitt's I think it's nice. It's nice there, right? It is nice there. It yeah. is. My brother went to college there. And I've tried to keep her there as long as I can in a bubble before she uh, comes to stay in LA sometimes because yeah. just I, I can tell it's just it's getting scarier and scarier of how terrifying it is for them to open to that world. Yeah, but it's kind of that way everywhere. I mean, yeah. we just have a we have a rule that you can't be on your phone. After, you know, can't come and lay down on the couch and be on your phone for, you know, I'm sort of at a 30 minute. You can do 30 minutes. Pick your screen. Um, yeah. And I look at my screen time. It says I'm on uh, 22 hours a day. I'm like, we can pump those numbers up. <laughs> I know they do. They admonish you. Your phone says you're down. You're down this week. Your usage is down. It's like, fuck you. Why aren't you yeah. on it more? I'm What's wrong with you? What can we do like to get you? you sucked back in? Yeah, yeah. come on. You, we, you know, anger really sells, man, and outrage. But I don't look at it. I get too, way too uh, sensitive. If I see one negative thing or were you ever funny or whatever they say, I'm kind of bummed oh, out. Yeah. And it makes me mad that I even am affected. But I don't you listen or watch it. anything I do, essentially. I yeah. don't like to see, hear, or feel anything. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. Plus, I'll tell you the one thing about making a documentary when you're 60, right? Um, Sexy is that 60. You see all that old... I'm 60. I turned 60 in February. Hmm? You see all that old um, footage of yourself, and you, you still think you're that person. And then it comes back over to an interview with you, and there you are in the chair, and you're 60. <laughs> and you, you know... <laughs> I don't want to see it. I don't want to... I like, I like uh, to think that I'm still like in my 30s. Hey, I'm up the ladder looking down at your age going, not bad. But you're right. How do we compete... You know, we're all so cute. Everyone is essentially all humans. All, so all humans we are cute, are cute we in their cuter with age in their twenties. Adorable. But everybody's yeah. really cute in their twenties and thirties. But it's hard to you know compete. What about with you Cheryl young. Woodstock? Dana, I watched her. She was in the Woodstock one. I watched it because they said you were on it. And so I watched the 1999, it. Nineteen ninety nine. That one. Yeah. Well, wherever you had a full blown mullet. I did. I I was wearing. It was. Let me just tell you. Uh, <laughs> Please. This is a total aside. So I have these wonderful hair pieces I can clip in my hair, right? Nice. Not wearing them now, but um, if I go on stage or whatever. And I have clipped them on both my boys so that they'll look like Tommy Boy. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, Joe Dirt. Sorry, Joe oh, Dirt. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> there's so many. That's all right. <laughs> Joe Dirt, yes. Joe Dirt is a big um, Halloween uh, uh costume yeah it is a it is a look that's cool. oh my gosh i Great love it look. so much but yeah that documentary 1999 the woodstock is i watched part of it on the airplane a couple of days ago and i had to turn it off it was so disturbing and <laughs> i remember it i remember how awful it was was it mm. scary for you because it got scarier like by the time jewel got on and stuff it was getting closer and closer to that whole i remember hearing about it but when you watch how Everyone went bananas. It must have been, uh, I can't believe who would stay. You know what I mean? It was so bad. Yeah, I don't know. It, it is interesting that people did stay. It almost felt like they couldn't leave. But it was it was debauched from the beginning because we were on Debauch. the first day. And we you could look out and you'd see all these girls who were topless on guys' mm. shoulders, you know, trying to get the MTV camera to sweep around in front of them and get on TV. And, mm. um, and they were already throwing shit from the um outhouses that were 
not set up right. They were leaking. And at what point some landed on my hand while I was playing bass during my favorite mistake. (laughs) (laughs) That's when we stopped. We played about four songs and I I remember saying, not 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 gonna do it. (laughs) Not gonna do it. Not gonna (laughs) die. Wouldn't be prudent. (laughs) Set me up. I don't normally do characters on the podcast, but not gonna do it. Feces. On the base, <clears throat> bad. Anyway, well, that's a, that's a good uh, gig story. Yeah, yeah, I've got a few of those. That that was a highlight, though. We went on after Andy Dick, <laughs> and then so that tells you what the vibe okay. was. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, he went on after Insane Clown Posse. So we oh, were, who was going after them? Jesus, yeah. we were like, is this our is this our crowd? What'd you open with? The what, what was you, did you come out with a rocker? How'd you try to follow Andy yeah. Dick? <laughs> I think we came out with "If It Makes You Happy." I mean, that was our Ugh. weapon. But that is yeah. a weapon. Well, how is that your? Is that your one to go to? Yeah. You, you have so you have a lot of anthems. You have a lot, a lot of anthems. God, look through her shit. I was like going. Look at that song. Oh my god! Because I love leaving Las Vegas, and it came up my iTunes the other day. Knowing, oh wow, and it was w- without my phone knowing. I was, you know, we we're going to talk this week. Or did so, it? Yeah, did it. Yeah, that's really the question. And that was, a, that's a monster at that beginning uh, bass. And uh, great song is a huge story about it in your documentary. And then oh, also, yeah. and then you keep going and going, your first Letterman, uh, backup for Michael Jackson. Just getting that, you kind of skimmed over that in audition for Michael Jackson. How in God's green earth did you sneak in? An audition where they didn't go, your name's not on this list. You were just cute. You ran in and said, I'm next. It's weird. Um, I, I did a few sessions out there with, I started to get a little bit of work singing jingles, you know, the songs that are in commercials yeah. for those mm-hmm. that, that don't know. And um, I think because I was the new kid in town, I started to get some work and started getting hired and was on a couple of sessions with the same guys. One of them was Daryl Fennessy, who's a fantastic singer. Um, and actually it was for John, one of them was for Johnny Mathis. And um, I overheard him talking to another singer about the Jackson the tour. So <laughs> Small um, I asked about it and um, you had to be recommended by Bruce Swedine or Quincy Jones um, or Rod Temperton. And of course, I didn't know any of those people. I think I've been in town maybe six months when I first started getting work. And um, I found out where it was and I drove out. It was at a rehearsal space. Uh, I want to say SIR, but that, they don't, I don't think they have that in, in LA. I can't remember what it was called. Drove there and thought, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? So I went and I knocked on the door and I, they, they let me in. They, they asked me what my name was. I said, I'm Cheryl Crow. I am not recommended, but I overheard Daryl Fennessy. I mean, I told him straight up. It's good. You threw in some um, good And they names. said, well, come on in. And they put me on video first. Um, and I said, hey, Michael, my name is Cheryl Crow. I just moved here. I was an elementary school teacher. Um, I'm out here doing sessions and would love a chance to go on the road and sing back up for you or whatever. And then I, I got a call from Daryl and he he put me with um, a couple of other singers and we went in and, and sang together and they hired us. Now, was this supposed to be backup or were we supposed to sing? Backup what was the singer. whole idea? Okay. No, and backup then, singer. But you eventually were doing stuff singing with Well, them, he right? had two two or three songs that featured uh, females. Like one of them was Man in the Mirror, which was Saida Garrett <laughs> on the record. Yeah. 
Oh, oh, and I can't stop loving you was also was that oh, also side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't stop loving you. Yeah, that one. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. Mm-hmm. And what makes a home is more than just house or property. It's the location and the neighborhood. Yes, exactly. This is really, really a smart uh, thing. If you have kids, it's also schools, regards to homes, nearby parks, transportation mm-hmm. options. That's why homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. Yeah, and when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools, with test scores, state rankings, Mm -hmm. student-to-teacher ratio. This is stuff you need. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's right. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place, homes.com. We've done your homework. It's interesting when we see you, like you're at home now, and you're Cheryl and sweet, personable. But when I watch you with Jagger... And Michael Jackson. Okay, so like these titans. And you're just like going for it. I mean, it is kind of a, it's a personality you put on it. It's fierce and rock starry. I mean, what, how, that transition, I mean, who was tougher, Jagger or, or Michael to like keep in their face? Because they're both oh. really aggressive dancing with you and you're right, right up on top of them. It's very cool to see. Um, uh, Mick Jagger was, I mean, he's, he was far more terrifying for sure. Mm, I mean, I'd grown up with that guy, right? I'd grown up with the sticky fingers record and and unzipping the zipper. I mean, they were like dangerous, like (laughs) edgy. And they had all this folklore around them, you know? And, um, and, and by the time I got to sing with them, um, I mean, I, I'd, I'd seen them live a a handful of times. I mean, that was like, That was the bomb. I was so afraid and I threw up all day. I was a nervous wreck. Um, and uh, I think I even talked about the documentary about um, Bobby Keys handing me a bottle of tequila right before I went on. <laughs> the, a said, bottle? Hey, have, a of, have a shot of courage. And the next thing I know, I'm out there with them. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a funny thing. And I know you guys know this too. It's like you, ha- you have this side that has to, has to show up and... Mm-hmm be fearless. But then you also, I don't know if you guys are like this. As soon as you walk off stage, you go, Oh my God, I suck. Or I sucked. Or that was, you know, (laughs) I want to do it again. I wish I could, you know, and it's, Mm. it's that, that sort of balance between stepping into it and then coming away from it and being able to just put it away without rehashing it with your, with all the voices that are in your head that tell you, you suck. Do you, I, you know. I sometimes do it later on. I mean, when you came off from Jagger, really in that moment, did you think I just sucked or did you feel kind of cool? Obviously, the first faces are crew guys or whatever, and they yeah. have a range of compliments. Hey, and sometimes they'll change it mid word. Or nothing. Hey, that was really. Or nothing. That yeah. was really gr- good. You know, they go yeah. from great. <laughs> you get these little messages. And then if you get someone really high, bro, you crushed it. You crushed it. You know? Yeah. And then later, hours later, I would think, ah, fuck, I missed that. I rushed that. So that. It's a funny, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. Um, that was such an out of body experience that 
I, it was hard to even relate to it. And then compound that with, I mean, literally we were, we didn't even have a hit yet. I mean, all I want to do had come out and it was starting to happen. Um, but it, 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 I, I couldn't even process it. Um, but, you know, my nature has always been to not think I'm good enough, you know, and I guess that's part of what propels you to work so hard is that you feel like whatever you're doing is never as great as the Rolling Stones or never as great right. as Stevie Nicks or not even as great as you think you should or could be. And it's taken me years really to grapple with that. And, you know, there's also, you know, you talk about the mental um, challenges that go along with being an, an artist or, 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 or somebody who puts themselves out there that shows up. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I spent a little time with um, Robin Williams uh, Her. through the years. And you look at somebody like that who can open himself up and be so beautifully funny. And so uh, just, Seemingly present. happy. Yeah. But then in their real life, you know, they're struggling. And that's that's the story of a lot of us. I um, got to know Robin uh, quite a bit. I've no, I knew him since the 70s. You know? Yeah. And I got yeah. to know him when we were both up here in Marin County for the last five years. Mm. And part of what I feel about him is like his shyness and his vulnerability. He would call me boss. But I, he was my idol. And yeah. then his powerhouse on stage. And really, he created this idea of a Shakespearean actor just showing up. And it was just a brilliant concept of like, oh, hey, who, who. And you never knew where he was going to go, you know. Uh, yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you, Cheryl, but David's going to ask a question first. <laughs> go ahead. I, no, I have a question about <laughs> what to say to people when they get off stage. So I did the, God, why do I think you were here? Andre, Andre Agassi uh, Charity in Vegas. Maybe you weren't there. So uh, it's I just I might like, have been there. All these stars go on, right? Okay, it's, yeah. It's comedy. Yeah. It was me. I was at the table with Ray Romano. I thought you were at my table. Why do I even think this? Anyway. I was there. Okay, so you were there. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's so, the night I met Lance Armstrong. Okay, carry oh, on. Interesting. Boy. My next well, that's question. Story. That's uh, part two. Part <laughs> yeah. two yes. of the interview. Okay, I'll whiz through this story first because this one sucks. Uh, so there, there's. So they go, Ray's there and, and you're there. We're all at this table, whatever. They go, okay, you're going to go up, then Cheryl, then remember, remember. So I have to go up before Ray and I go after... Do you remember there was like an 11 year old phenom singer from like American Idol or something? Yes, I do. Anyway, yes, I so do. She, so I, they go, she's only doing one song or something. So I'm waiting in the wings and she goes up and she does like, I will always love you or something. And she gets a standing ovation and she walks off and I go, hey, get him next time. And then she goes, what? Because I had to get in her fucking head, Cheryl, because you know what? <laughs> she blew me off the stage and I hate I couldn't follow her. So I'm like, hey, tough crowd, huh? And she's like, what? I love your honesty. <laughs> I love I that you're new, I, 11 years old. I got to get in there and let her know what the what's going on, man. And so then and I went on. she's been in therapy ever since. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, didn't I get a standing ovation? She never sang again. <laughs> Isn't that good? I'm like, Never I mean, open her mouth. So then I got up. First of all, that was embarrassing. And then I get up and then I bomb. And then I come down and I say to Ray Romano, just like comedian to comedian, I go, hey, listen, you're next. Listen, the tables are really far apart. They can't hear you in the front. There's kids in the back. There's a bar over here. It's just, it's the worst case scenario. He gets up and kills for 20 minutes straight. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> After I just explained why he's going to bomb. 
and there's <laughs> absolutely Romano. no way to do well here. Oh, he doesn't go down for anybody. Have you oh, ever, Cheryl, when I've seen you <laughs> sing on this documentary, and it seems like you, if you have nerves, they never affect your voice. You, I, like if you're terrified with Jagger, you don't hit a bad note, do you, in yeah. the whole thing? I mean, uh, that's just more that's, mathematical, right? You don't hit a bad that's note. Nice. I've bombed, I have bombed before, I promise. In fact, I can <laughs> remember doing a tribute. I think it might have been, I feel like Neil Young was on it. I don't know. It was a Music Cares thing. And I thought I knew the song, but I didn't know it very well. And I got up and literally could not think of a single word <laughs> and sang practically the whole song, Making Up Crap. And oh, I remember terrifying. coming off stage and John Sykes, who was the head of VH1, uh, the head of VH1 saying something about, wow, I don't know if I've ever heard that. <laughs> <before."> <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I have definitely had moments of bombing. Um, oh, yeah. I, I've had death to find bombs, you know. Yeah. I've done death corporate work. Occasionally I worked a oh. gun show <laughs> and all these guys were eating steaks with their backs to me and they would just take oh a bite gosh. and kind of look up. But you know, yeah. they pay you so much you have to do those. <laughs> Comedians <laughs> are easy. They throw you anywhere. But I, I'm jealous of musicians because corporate gigs can be tough. Uh, and then, but with musicians, you can sort of, even if you bomb in quotes, you just say your, you just do your song. The in-between is kind of awkward because there's yes. crickets. Yeah. But we're doing every line. We're getting feedback that it's not working. It's not. Yeah. Oh, I cannot. I just can't imagine being a comedian. Oh. And I, I love, I love the art form. I love comedians. And Dave, I've never seen you bomb. You've always made me laugh. Oh, that's nice. Um, but we, but you're a sweet person. And uh, no, and no, that, that's the truth. But I just very, can't very imagine. Stand up. We did a corporate gig. No, no, no. We did a virtual gig. Uh, in, during the pandemic, and I've never done one of those where you do a concert in front of like nothing. Yeah, there's no like in between songs. It's like okay, you hit that big last chord, and then <laughs> oh, like, yeah. it's just crickets. <laughs> yeah, it's like playing in Japan. You look over, and there's some guy on the side just texting. He's like works. So he's like, go on, do your next song. <laughs> I call it comedy waterboarding. I did one with, <laughs> with Tony Robbins and he was interviewing me on the Zoom and he was so enthusiastic and he had a global audience and all these screens and I would do Tony Fauci or something and go, give it up for Dana Carvey. And then there'd be two minutes of music and, and I would just be dancing in my room. <laughs> like, no laughs. <laughs> Woo, yeah. You know, it's just, uh, I love Tony. But um, oh, I was going to ask God. you, so you, the one thing about, being hard on yourself and you're still around doing great stuff is that we have data now and there's something about lasting, you know, and putting out cool stuff. And the th seems to me that when you really got into the super celebrity thing, it was when you're already exploding as a superstar and then you're dating another superstar. And that's when the tabloids went 10.0, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. And, yeah. And, you know, I, I think interestingly enough, I had dated people before that were well known, but there was something about that combo that was uh, just was it was ripe for fodder. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like I mean, I wouldn't put myself with J-Lo and A-Rod like way up there. But, you know, a combo like that is is it's, it's too juicy, I guess. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, because there was Owen. Hey, how's it going? Oh, you know, love Owen. Well, Owen's the coolest dude. Uh, so. I still communicate with Owen. I absolutely love him. Hey. Uh, just, you know, and I, I mean, I've been really fortunate and I don't really have anything bad to say about Lance at all. Um, I have been really oh, fortunate to bad. be with the people that I've been with and I wouldn't change it, you know. Yeah, I think. But that, I will but- say one thing. I did dream last night that I married Brad Pitt. <laughs> you must that's, know Brad pretty that's well. That's a good plan. I do know him pretty well. You know, I went to college really? with him. Oh, you did? really? Did, yes, was, did the uh, girls all love him then, college? or what was he like? Well, in you know, it's really funny. He's a year younger than me, mm-hmm. um, and I was the song or the yeah the song leader at his fraternity Sigma Chi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, really. So I went over and I would work with them with their their. Uh, we had, I can't remember what it was called, Greek was Week or whatever. Oh, so I was like their, sure. their coach or whatever. But I knew him from campus running around. I knew the girl he was dating. And um, you're always friendly. He's from Springfield mm-hmm. where your daughter yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always friendly. And I've seen him through the years. He's a good dude. I man. swear he t- he sort of takes an in- an odd beating out there over this divorce thing that never ends. But he's I've never seen him not be cool to people, not be nice to people. He seems like the most down to earth. He is a big. He's a nice person. Big of a star as he is, he's gives everybody time. I yeah. don't know how he does it. And then, but he keeps getting roughed up. I mean that that that's a divorce for you, I guess. I don't know the yeah. the energy around someone like Brad Pitt, and I think part of his shyness or reclusiveness and he's not really readily available and it almost mm-hmm. like Clooney was with Matt Damon and Brad Pitt and they're at some film festival in Europe and Clooney just said like he and Damon just disappeared as soon as Brad Pitt showed up so this is other level of uh being a true sex symbol and a really brilliant actor yeah. is just this 10.0 well David of- you know how that is being a sex symbol is very <laughs> you know Cheryl I'm glad you David brought that up David and the ladies have a nice my life arrangement is a struggle <laughs> But, you know, the truth is also when you're dating, like you were saying, if you date someone in the business, like you almost have to date someone like an Owen because like that song even says, are you strong enough? Like, first of all, the tabloids don't care when you date a normal person. So it's not as big of a deal. And people think you're not even dating. They don't know what's going on. And then they only jump on it. If it's someone they know and they, and like together it equals like five stars. Yeah. <laughs> it's like two celebrities equal five. So it's like you see these people on like uh, reality shows. Together they make one actual star. So <laughs> that's why they, they always date each other. Someone from The Bachelor dates someone from this one. Well, the cynic kind of thinks, is it, is it an arrangement, David? Is it sort of like, hey, let's uh, date for three months. Well, Our well, profile some of those, I will never... explode. You two should get together for that's six months. That's why I'm going to marry Brad Pitt, because I feel like that'll put me actually at, a, at, at least a five. Oh, you'd be, you'd oh be God, huge. Yeah. You no, and Brad you two Pitt. guys, it, people couldn't deal with it. That, that'd, be, that'd be crazy. <laughs> I Too love much my talent. life. I don't, I don't want to get married. I, I love my life. You don't want to get yeah. married? That's crazy. No, I would just want to sleep around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Now let's unpack the, the last part of our podcast. Uh, show I'm, I'm going to make sure my kids listen to this podcast. Yeah, good. Hey, you no, know, women uh, should own their um, sexuality. They should be able to do that, too. They should. But I got to be honest with you. Nine o'clock at night. Yeah. I'm like, 
That's like, yeah, that's REM sleep for me at 930. I'm out. If the, if the guy's ready to rally from 850 to nine, if it's not in that window, beat it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm with window. you. Sure. I, during the pandemic, <laughs> I just went to bed early, got up early. It's hard for a nightclub performer. <laughs> When you, you get up at 5.30 and the show's at 10 that night, you have to wait oh 18 gosh. hours. But, yeah. you know, I like doing oh, yeah. this. Dana, in Vegas, me and Dana did this show, and uh, I do it usually, and then he covered for me once, and he's like, this thing's at fucking 10, dude? I know. I know. And then we do a Q&A at the end, so it's at like, you get off by midnight, I go... Is that that's too late, right? And he's like, Yeah. And I go, Yeah, well, what am I doing? I like seven o'clock yeah. shows. I really at this age, I just like I don't want oh, you a party. Also, anyway. You also what's gonna say, oh yeah. No, I won't ask you about this, but th- ask me anything. No, it's not that exciting. I'm no. no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm I I first of all like that when in the special when you said driven is sort of a negative to women. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's nice in this day and age when no one really seems to want to work or work hard that that seems like uh, a trophy to say I was, you know what I mean? You wear it like a medal. Like I'm driven, meaning I actually want to bust my ass and try really hard to get in a business where it seems like every year that goes by that that's not how it works anymore. People want to be given things or people want to jump ahead a lot easier and they don't want to work or they don't have to work. And so I love watching that when people put in the hours because it is a hard job to get right. And if you take it seriously, whether it's stand-up or that or any sort of writing, you write yeah. and uh, and do it all and you perform, that that's like something to be so proud of. And it's weird when people give it to you like it's a negative. That That's a hard thing to take. Yeah, I think... I think for women, you know, the idea of an ambitious woman is such a turnoff. Like, for instance, <laughs> you know, Not well, it's me. like a woman gets called a like a bitch or, yeah. you know, um, I can remember when, uh, I mean, this goes way back, but um, what was the woman? Oh my gosh. Uh, who ran for president years ago. Sarah um, Palin <laughs> or vice president. No, no, no. This is way, way. I want to say Kafara, but it's not that. Mm. But anyway, uh, about there was always a discussion about her, how ambitious she was and how um, uh, unlikable, you know, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I still find that is is problematic when you have ambitious men and it's such an admirable trait. But yeah. for a woman to be ambitious and let's face it, you know, if you are the head of a company or or if you're a politician or, or a successful woman in general, you you have some ambition and that ambition is fed by, hopefully, the desire to be really good at something mm-hmm. and the love of doing that something. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's positive. That, that that question you were just asking, David, about people not wanting to work hard. I mean, even in raising my boys, I keep having to say to them, look, if you're going to do this, you want to dedicate your energy and your time and you're blessed to have resources to be good at this thing that you love um, mm. because it's not all about the end product. And it's, I don't know where we're off. Like where, when I was growing up, everybody was middle-class. There was no, you know, same, people weren't rich. Yeah. And so I grew up idolizing all these amazing musicians and bands. And I felt like I didn't, it wasn't about being famous. It was about being great. You mm. know what I mean? So I don't know where we're off. I guess it's really easy to be, to be famous and it's really easy to yeah, get maybe rich. That's it. Yeah. So nobody really wants to 
they don't equate work with becoming famous or work with yes. becoming rich. It, it just you know? changed and it's not um, anyone's fault. But we, when you were really, when you're on television as Frank Sinatra or whoever or, mm-hmm. or Stevie Nicks, they were just really great. And now because yeah. of social media and instant hits and stuff, and it's very demoralizing for young people when they see, and I do a joke, a guy who opens pickles jars and is making seven figures. All right, my name's Steve. Today we're going to open some nice dills, you know, and he's making seven figures. On YouTube, yeah. YouTube and monetization. Yeah, he's good. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, Mm -hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price, I hate to say it, price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah, Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David. And find jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality standards. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right. And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman or, <laughs> or, or, bring out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings, Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David? They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle <laughs> those are the technical questions <laughs> i know uh, oval they fit your budget they'll make sure what you want they can fit in your budget yes it's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because um you know it's it's a subjective thing and the, you'll be guided with the, this company's going to help you make the right choice you right. give them a little information and they'll go Sapphire. it's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go yeah, we're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant and it's like, <laughs> they're flipping hotcakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. So, yeah, no, thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm-hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm-hmm. shop blue nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to blue nile.com today that's blue nile.com my dad works in b2b marketing but i never really knew what that meant then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big mql man then he just kept saying things like the more mqls the better over and over My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. 
interesting enough, you, you might, this comes back to you. So the corporations of the big music publishing companies are now buying artist catalogs. They obviously yeah. got Springsteen, they got this. They're not so much buying the more modern product because these anthems, these big songs really monetize well going generationally. You know, like your hits, yeah. you know, could are just right here, right now. Strong enough. I mean, they're just if it makes you happy, all right. those. So have you have you been approached or have you sold your catalog? Well, I sold my catalog, um, not my songwriters, but I sold my catalog about three albums ago because everything was going to streaming. And mm. we were approached um, with the idea that they would start getting placement so that the songs would be heard more. Um, but I wouldn't lose my songwriters. So I didn't get the, the giant chunk that like a Springsteen or, a a, bubble, you know, right, or Bob Dylan or whatever. Yeah. What's a songwriter mean though? What do you mean? Um, so you get paid for the, um, you get paid publishing and you get paid your songwriter. So I split my songwriter with whoever I write my song with. And if I don't write it with somebody, then I take a hundred percent of the songwriters. Okay. Uh, fee or whatever the right. money that comes in so when it goes through ascap or bmi or wherever it is um some of it goes to the publishing company some of it goes to the songwriter um but it's interesting now because everything is streaming um you know we make a a, a penny or maybe two pennies every time a song is is streamed so how much of a penny do you get paid for the songwriter? It's 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 nothing. I mean, a hundred percent of a penny is still going to be a, a penny, you know. <laughs> so, so so it's it's, it's it's all it's just ridiculous. And I I don't know. I mean, I love that Bruce and and Neil and all these people are making hundreds of millions of dollars, but I go, I don't know. I, I mean, it's sort of like Bitcoin to me. Do you mean like how does the people that buy it make it back? Because it's so it's is it overpaying? Well, for I guess what they do is they sell the right to use that song in a commercial. They and, stay, and, they're out there to try to sell it to make money. Which and movies and be stuff doing. like that, right? And that's why right. maybe the album is kind of over for now in a way. I mean, you're going to release more like just batches of songs, or you release? I'm going to release batches of songs, but mm -hmm. I, I mean that's not for everybody. For for me, like <laughs> I said, I'm 60. Is the new term batches like Dana? pancakes? You're going to batches. <laughs> of songs and, like batch one yeah batch the promised land uh, uh i liked in the uh da dana in the uh, documentary remember i think it was toward the end um where she uh where she said you came out to somewhere maybe it's bonnaroo where's bonnaroo in tennessee or something yeah yeah and 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 the, and the people weren't there yet but by the time you went on first of all when they when you said four o'clock i was like i was at one of those festivals and it was like this, Norm McDonald went on at noon. I went on at set. I luckily went on before Tom Petty, which is great. But it was kind of nighttime. But there were very weird times people went on. It was like yeah. all day. But mm -hmm. you went on, the place was packed. And then you said this whole new generation when you went to, I think, If It Makes You Happy, which is one of your big Mongo hits, that uh, they all knew it. And that's cool. That's the coolest thing is that it keeps going. It's for yeah. me like someone seeing a movie or something that they, a new generation knows it and you can't believe, how would you even see it? Because that's something people like, people don't listen to radio. Yeah. You go, oh, here's a new Cheryl Crow song or here's an old one. Someone yeah. had to tell them or something and they all know all the words. It's very cool. I mean, it, it's, it's funny because about 
maybe five years ago, my manager started talking about, and now you're a legacy artist. And I'm like, oh, that's like, okay, <laughs> I've got my art card. Um, Jeez, I'm a legacy artist. That's um, what I, I'm trying to be. But it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people's kids have grown up. I mean, like I I know Burt Bacharach and I know, yeah. Uh, of course, obviously, I know the Rolling Stones. But I mean, I, I grew up with parents that played music and all this generation is growing up with parents who grew up with my music. And it is it's it a rarefied yeah. place to be. It's, you know, it's awesome. Some, t- some high school kid today, boy or girl, is going to listen to uh, my favorite mistake today mm. for the first time. And become yeah. possessed by it, you know? Aww. I mean, I noticed in your songwriting, which is kind of cool in, you know, Brandy Carlisle talked about it. You're kind of, you're doing these major chords or just this setup. And then it goes in unexpected places. I'm not a musicologist, but seems to go minor or weird that the second parts of your songs are so explosively different. And the setup is kind of, kind of, I don't know. I mean, how do you write a melody like that's that part for my my favorite mistake? Because that's such a cool melody, weird. You know, I don't know, but I will say I, I'm, I love. I'm so proud of my references. Like I loved the Beatles so much. What? I know. Guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Love the Beatles and that documentary. Just, uh, I mean, I binge watched Uh, it and then I rewatched the last episode. mm -hmm. And um, it, you know, I I think a lot of a lot of stuff that I wind up writing is osmosis. I mean, you know, um, I don't know what it's like to write jokes because it seems like, I mean, I'm sure you guys grew up with George Carlin and. uh, Richard Pryor, all the all the greats, mm-hmm. and I'm sure same thing, same thing. Yeah, so you get a like a a, a cadence, or a, you know, you you do what they do for a while, and then you go, okay, how yeah. now you start hopefully transitioning to who you are, and that becomes your thing. Mm-hmm. But you're still standing on the shoulders of all the the dudes that wrote the book, right? You're like so, a research paper of your favorite people, and then you start yes. turning into your own. Get, yeah. I, this is yeah. a horrible question to ask, but what Beatles songs kind of speak to you, uh, like off off the top of your head, oh. that you really liked? Okay, I'll just start. Here, there, and everywhere. I uh, here, there, and everywhere. I mean, that song is amazing. And then you hear Amy Lou Harris do it, and you go, "That song is amazing again." Yes. I mean, that's why their songs are so great. Yesterday is one of my favorite songs long and winding road is one of my favorite songs um uh love by john lennon is one of my favorite songs oh um, i, I got married so to that good stuff in there i mean get back uh uh come together i mean mm-hmm. just uh, you know but definitely blackbird and yesterday to me are the two of the greatest songs ever written when we did um talk to we got lucky talk to paul but he said, was it yesterday where he says, when he goes, when he brings it in, do you bring it in and go, I got a winner? <laughs> and oh he goes, no, you can't. You have to walk in and go, hey, I did a new one if you guys want to hear it. And then he said, Ringo said, I, I can't put any drums on that. And then John said, I can't put any more guitar on it. And they said, what if we put strings? And he said, no. That was George Martin. Yeah. yeah. And he said, no, it's we're rock and roll. We don't want strings on it. And, and I go, oh, we get a little bit of the process. Yeah, it was interesting, Cheryl, and we can cut this out if it overlaps, but we did get to talk to Paul, and we oh. were both very nervous. Uh, I was on the road in Wyoming with my family in Montana, but anyway, it, he uh, once we started talking about Get Back, he really lit up, and I asked him, did John ever thank you for your bass lines? <laughs> 
Uh, that was like a big thing for him. And what did he well, say? Well, we, we found our way to come together. And he talked about how John just had one line, Here Come Old Flat Top, which was a Chuck Berry song he had to pay for later. And then he kind of teased it out of him that he wrote that opener. He said to Joan, we got to have an opener. We can't just go right in. So that became... So I go, Paul, that's one of the best openings of a song ever. And then later on, he had said, we wrote it face to face. Because he comes in, even though it's so Lenin-y, Paul comes in with one, a cracker. He got Juju eyeballs. So Paul, his comprehensive musicality i think just influenced the band his fingerprints were ever like because he could do the percussion he had a four octave range sing all the harmonies he could play the uh all the keyboards and all the guitars so anyway interesting uh interview and i couldn't sleep for a week after that because i kept thinking of what i should have asked i see i would have just left to have been um, in the room, fly on the wall, listening, <clears throat> yeah, listening to you guys interview him because that was one of the things about the documentary that um, me not to be like um, all woo woo and stuff, but watching them in the room and and the the musicality of all four of those guys, yes. like Ringo, never played anything that didn't feel exactly perfect and right for the song. Yep. For the song, uh, Paul, I mean, everything he played was not just tasteful, but it was like unique and memorable. I mean, there was so much happening. His his interplay, even the tension between he and George, all of and, and then the combination of him and John. I know I'm going on. I'm going somewhere. With, uh, we with love this, we love to talk about there the Beatles. Is, I mean, I am so I so believe that there is an energetic uh, component to the universe that brings that together. I mean, because there are too many instances where you just go, where in the world did that come from? Or mm-hmm. even when you write a song and you go, okay, like my favorite mistake, I felt that way after that song, I felt like, okay, I don't know where that came from. And also I feel like it's already been written because it feels so complete. It's such a great melody. There are moments where you go, okay, you can't define what creativity is. Yeah, you can't really define what inspiration is, but it is a real thing. And that to me is like, okay, that's just God. I mean, if, I, however you want to define that energy that is unique to you. And I watched that in that documentary, <laughs> that energy that no matter what was happening between them, it all was part of the outcome. I don't know. I just, I, I, I guess I'm the older you, I so. get, the more I get into the idea that these things aren't accidents. You're tapping into something. Well, Dennis Miller, who's a big Beatle fan, he said it this way yes. to me. He goes, Carvey, I can understand, you know, Led Zeppelin, okay? I get Pink Floyd or, you know, you too and all that. But for the life of me, I can't understand the Beatles. How does that happen? Yeah. And yeah. it's lightning in a bottle. What was sweet about it, Cheryl, and it'll be on the podcast, is that he he still has this this love of John, and there was an un, he loved that, that he you could see them joking around with each other, 
Yeah. Even though John was taking the piss out of him a little bit, there was a bit of a competition going on because Paul had Long and Windy Road. He was on this upswing and had a ton of songs. And John had to bring Across the Universe to the album, which is right. insane. So Mind-blowing. It's like a left, yes. it's a right, it's too much. I mean, if you, the amount you of could, hits. You could retire off that one alone. I just, know. It, if he just wrote Here, There, and Everywhere, he'd be a... A famous person but uh, i can see your influence yeah. uh in a good way but you have your own cheryl crow brand but i think you do write songs i'm sure you've if you've met paul and i'm sure he's a fan of your music that's pretty trippy right i don't know i don't know if he is or not but i did it's kind of funny i did meet him um when i was doing fallon in the nbc building and it's funny because um i have so many memories i mean c- certainly from doing saturday night live um, oh, that's right. <laughs> being in that building and getting to meet people, you know. Oh, yeah. um, three so, times on SNL, Cheryl Crow. Three times on SNL. That's a hard one to do. They have so the choice of anyone at all times and to get asked back three I, different I times. I had to sleep with Lauren like 11 times. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> what did Lauren say to you? I'm still sleeping with him. I don't know why. I don't even know. Just I'm in the habit. Um, so you'll be doing if it makes you happy and that'll be your first song. Maybe something we've heard of. Um, maybe second song you pick dealer's choice here's what paul said to me about you cheryl you know i go paul who do you like contemporary well, you know i like cheryl crow you know she's got a, she's got she's got a good thumper she's got a good you know bassy and goes guitars and harmonies she's a big vocal a big voicer <laughs> sorry that's funny. She didn't say that. <laughs> Don't. She's freaking out. Don't I'm say that. I'm freaking out just going, oh, oh my gosh. I'm sure he loves you. I, I wish I would have recorded that and then posted it like he actually did say that. You know, if it makes you happy, why are you so sad? You know, it's one of those turns John and I would do. It's like a big old chorus, you know, makes you happy. You think, oh, it makes you happy. Then why are you so sad? It takes the carpet out, you know, and that what keeps it going, going, you know, it gets you all willy jilly. I don't know. Okay, I'll do it all day. That's Listen. incredible. That sounds, that's incredible. I do it just to be with Paul McCartney. I, Will I, you call my voicemail and just leave that on there for hello, me so I can this use is it? Paul, Paul it's not here right now. I can't do it. <laughs> but um, Dana, yes. I got to tell Cheryl before we uh, let her leave and go back to the She doesn't want to leave. She wants to talk about She doesn't want to leave. She I don't. Leave. I don't I have to tell her. her that when I'm looking over these songs, first of all, I like that I'm trying to look at my favorite ones just for absolutely no reason. But if it makes you happy, I like that you work in Mosquito in that one because <laughs> it's hard to get into songs. Surely yeah. unused pop word. Yeah, it's very, very <laughs> underused. And I have to say, and this is a dumb story, but when I was uh, with Kid Rock, one of his albums came out, and this we were hanging out more, and he goes, I think he was up against Pink when it came out mm. i don't know why i remember this This is probably a lie but i and so he's driving you can attest to this if you're in a car with him he's playing his album if you're in his house he's playing his album <laughs> if you're in his, anywhere he's playing a video of himself so um he goes you got to hear the new album and i go oh and then he played the whole the whole thing so I don't know as much about music as you or dana i don't know anything dana knows a lot i'm just a fan so he plays the songs and he goes, this one's the one that comes out first, and then this one, and then this one. And then fucking picture comes on. And I know nothing, Cheryl, and I go, that's fucking great. And I go, play that one again? And he goes, it's with Cheryl. And I go, god damn, that's catchy. That is so good, and she's so good in it. I, and he goes, well, that's going to come later. And if I'm not mistaken, 
The first two songs did okay, and then Picture blew the fuck up. Is that possible? It exploded. It's so good. It's so good. And you so know what good. he said, which was funny? He said, after you recorded it, he said, that's going to go to number one. I was like, really? Oh, that's so cool. And he's like, that's going to go to number one. I'm telling you, it pops up my iPod all the time, and it's so fucking good, and you're so great in it, and I just go, God. And I know he, he takes a beating out there. But he can sing, man. He gets these. He gets it right, and that one he got right, and he, he's got a lot of great shit out there. Um, yeah, but, and mm-hmm. um, how did that happen? He knew he had it and came to you, or you had it and came to him, or what happened? Oh no, he had it. In fact, I didn't write nearly as much on that as he did. I mean, and he's he's super. Uh, like when he's in the studio, he is fearless, man. I mean, yeah. he has listened to so much great music and can play a lot of things, and um. You know, he, he's really masterful at getting his ideas down and, um, yeah, he knows it back and forth. He knows. Yes. He, yeah, he does. And he's, but he's also, you know, very savvy when it comes Mm -hmm. to what he thinks will hit and yeah. You know, it's funny. I used to bust his balls because he goes, Hey, uh, I got this, this guy wants me to come play his birthday party. Give me 50 grand to come sing. I go, does he give, give you another 50 to get off? (laughs) <laughs> because he play, we do karaoke at my birthday party and he goes maybe i'll get up with these guys i'm like maybe it's it's gonna within seconds so he would sing karaoke and then it, it, that was for the next three hours <laughs> and it, he can't, and it, we, i don't know if you ever came down to we in, in new york i think it was in the <laughs> late 90s maybe we would uh show up once a week at shine which was a a, a club uh, uh downtown and uh, we do all covers. And any given night. Oh, my God. How fun. Mike Mills, uh, Stevie Nicks sat in with us. Keith Richards sat in with us. Anyway, Kid Rock came down. And it was the same night that Keith sat in. And he kept yelling Keith's name. Keith Richards. Keith Richards. <laughs> and Keith got really mad, like irritating. He's like, quit saying my fucking name. <laughs> and I, at one point, I'm just like, okay, I'm not sure how to manage, you know, we're ble- doing all these bad 90s covers. <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, he's fun. a lot of fun. And I will say that Picture yeah. is one of the most covered songs in karaoke in the oh, world. Oh, for so, uh, sure. That is, you know, one of my claims of fame. Wow. I'm telling you, it's and on top of everything else you've done. And then I was looking at this and I go, Oh, that's right. Picture on top of all this stuff. Yeah. So just had to high five you for that one. That's so good. Um, got to, got to high five Bobby for that one. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 does, he does. I bust his balls all the time, but he, he is good. Okay. You know, traveling Woolberries. Woolberries. Oh, yeah. Yes. So uh, past and present, if you were going to make a female super group, who would be in there? I mean, obviously you would put in... Stevie, Stevie, Stevie Nicks. Obviously, I would put in Stevie Nicks, most definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Super group. 10 out of 10. Yeah. And I would ask Brandy, you know. She um, loves you and she's cool. Brandy is amazing and she's a great songwriter and she's just a kick ass chick. Yeah. She's cool. Um, God, who else? It's only three. It's like Nirvana so uh, far. I know. Bonnie Raitt, Emmy Lou Harris. Bonnie would be amazing. Um, Emmy would be amazing. Linda Ronstadt Linda would be Ronstadt. amazing. Ah, I was going to say. Yes. I mean, young wise, I mean, you know, the traveling wheelberries, each one of them had a huge full body of material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, because there's a lot of young people out there that will, will yeah, who's be, young will that be you great. like. Oh man. I mean, I love Marin. She's a great songwriter, great performer, great singer. I love Courtney Barnett. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
I love the high M girls. They're great. Um, who the list else? goes on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Florence and the Machine. She's really interesting. There's a young girl named Cassie, I want to say. Anyway, there's there's a lot of good young female music For out sure. there. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to break through though. I mean, there's just it's there's just it so really much is. of everything. With everything yeah. is everything now. Yeah, it's true. What's in your hand? What's going on down there? Who me? Yeah. Oh, guitar picks. <laughs> are you gonna write as, as soon as this podcast is over? Are you gonna pick up one of those guitars and just go fucking crazy and write a masterpiece? Are you write a song about me and Dana? Yeah, just like podcasting with the lady and Joe Dirt. The lady. <laughs> what is it? Oh, did you forget how to play? What is that? I can't even hear it. Podcasting with David and Dana. <laughs> well, that sounded a little Patty Smith, didn't it? <laughs> I like it. It had a little punk to it. <laughs> we'll get it on TikTok That's right away. That's cool. Please do. Yeah. Please Did get you... me on TikTok. I know. Is that something they want you to do is like try to snippet your song on TikTok? Okay. So the documentary was coming out and Showtime was really hoping that I would open a TikTok account and do mm-hmm. TikTok. God, is that so real? 12-year-old was like, mom, please don't. He's <laughs> like, that is so cringy. Mm. I'm on TikTok and it's so gross. I'm going to join you it. You know that word cringy though? Like yeah, when you, fuck you're yeah. doing something that you shouldn't be doing because you're not cool. Uh, it's cringy. Yeah, sure. that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of joining it though. I don't know. You are. No, I don't look at any social media, but I've heard no, of it. Dana doesn't look, and he gets comments, and I have to answer for him because they go, "Hey, what does Dana think?" And I go, "Well, Dana would probably." I don't see look at anything, but I do. From what I understand, the New York. You should do TikTok. You would be huge. Well, thank, thank okay, you. Okay, I'm saying that, and I don't. Thank you, Cheryl. No, you don't know anything. Like, I don't that's know based anything. on thank no you, knowledge Pearl. of anything. Well, that's I right. was reading that's that. based on nothing. <laughs> New York Times had a 20-page article on what is TikTok. So essentially, I got the idea that rhythmic musicality is shared like you make something like if i did jump broccoli then other people take it and go with it so i don't know yeah. if it is if it is about Chopping audio musicality catchphrase broccoli could work she chopped yeah. cheryl knows she what it is chopped. i do <laughs> i know i, I do chop and broccoli yeah i've said that in my kitchen to my boys and they look uh, at me like what ah uh, we gotta get your boys up to speed man oh my, my kids know, don't I like know. me i try to turn them on onto all the good stuff they don't think i'm funny they just show me you gotta make Drake them watch and- joe dirt and uh, bench warmers. And oh, they're all. gonna watch Joe Dirt for sure. Oh, and they need to know Dirt. who the church lady is for sure. And Wayne's World, they usually and are Wayne's okay with World, that. they need to know. Yes, they will. They will get them yeah, up to speed. On, yeah. David, whether you have a few weeks old puppy or a senior who's seen multiple decades, any dog person like me knows the most valuable thing in the world is spending time with your pet. Yep, the farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy which can give you more quality years with your lovely dog. Yeah, well, I've heard Farmer's Dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. And, you know, that's what everyone's looking for. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced. Uh, It's made from human-grade ingredients, safe, clean kitchens. All that stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, you love your dog. Why why get the lousy food for your dog? Farmer's Dog is the best. Traditional dry and wet dog food options are extremely processed. Sometimes you dogs much lower quality. Yeah, <laughs> you you put it in their bowl and they go, "What is this kibble?" And they knock it away. What is this canned goo? 
Oh yeah, I've had our dog. Yeah, look at the bowl yeah. and then kind of crank its neck up and look at me, and it was like, really? They go, really? Why don't you go first? You want a bite of this slop? <laughs> and it makes that sound. Here you go, dog. Like, so farmer's dog isn't just no. higher quality food. They also send the food pre-portioned specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. It makes it easy to help your dog reach and stay at their ideal weight, David. And it's just one of the biggest indicators of a full, healthy life. A fresh diet has been found to have all sorts of benefits, David, from healthier coat mm -hmm. and skin, better breath, you want to kiss your dog, and even easier digestion and smaller and better poops. Let's look at a clip. It doesn't matter if your dog's <laughs> young or old. It's always the right time to invest in their health for more happy years with your dog. Get 50% off your first box at farmersdog.com slash fly. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use your code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh. No, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. Wee wee. Wee wee. I have, ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women, I thought, I want to learn a new language. You know what? I, I do have a, because uh, I'm, a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of, of, of French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn. And that's, mm -hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes, I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's the trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users, 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got yeah. your Spanish, your French, mm -hmm. you were just talking about, Korean, Dutch, Arabic. Fast language acquisition. It, 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 there's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. That's the hard part, I think. That's it. And it's an intuitive process. You pick mm -hmm. up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's all designed for long-term retention, which is great because I took Spanish for 12 years and all I know is how to find a library. Yes, Donde, I know. Donde está la biblioteca. So this one, really, really, you retain it. I learned German and I know hastu no, hastu bruder, no, nine abracabras by Swester. That means, have, do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. <laughs> what does that mean? That means bless you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> someone sneezes. Gesundheit. Rosetta Stone, that's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that languages speak. Right. You don't, you don't look like some clown. Desktop and <laughs> app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. Mm -hmm. By the way, the Lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, mm -hmm. that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. 
what is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Fly on the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Oh, yeah. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of. 50% Mm -hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. So, Cheryl, uh, you'll be at the 50th for SNL um, in three years, the 50th anniversary. I hope okay. so. What are you going to... I hope I'm invited. You're kidding? Dave and I have an I'm end. Dana's plus one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to do a um, sketch Cheryl. with you. So, And then mm-hmm. next time we go to uh, uh, down there, we'll make Cheryl come out to the show. Hey, would y'all please let me know if you ever come to Nashville? I'm your buddy. I know, but I didn't. Well, I didn't definitely, really know for I sure love Nashville. I we think about Nashville's moving there cool. all the I time. Mean, it, it's cool. Just don't come here and buy a house. Oh, California, come on oh, out to take over. Californians are making the prices go up. That kind of thing. Interlopers. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. Montana. Yeah. I'm from Montana. It's all going on up there. All the billionaires are coming in. I'll take five yeah. of those. There's a great comedian, Theo Vaughn. One of my good buddies lives out there. So when I go see him, I'll play the Ryman, and then I'll make you come down. Please. How many seats okay. is the Ryman? I want to go in there and rock that place. How much it's is it? It's amazing. I think I played yeah, it once. It's, yeah, it's 20, somewhere around I there. did play it, it once. It used to be Grand, was it the Grand Old Opry or am I being stupid? It was the Grand Old Opry and before that it was a church way, way early. Before that it was a Whataburger? Uh, <laughs> well, I played it. I played it and I came off stage and Cheryl happened to be there and she goes, that was that was good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was so, you really went out there, didn't you? <laughs> she goes, oh, they're a little tight. Why do we have all this self-loathing? What the fuck is no, going here's, on? No, here's the Why one to we... say, Dana, when I you know. get off, what are, we're when Cheryl gets off, I'm going to go, fuck that crowd. <laughs> I'm going to get in the fetal position. And you position. go, wait, I thought I did good. You I go, thought no, they liked me. No, they no. were tough. No, that was a hard crowd, man. No, we'll get them. We'll I'm get them later. I'm going to get in the fetal position and cry myself to sleep with questions I should have done better. <laughs> oh, no, you aren't. No. This, hey, this yeah. was the best podcast I've ever done. Ever. Thank you. Thank you, the best. We love you. You know, she's really good on the Uh-oh. podcast. <laughs> she's <laughs> very straightforward. You don't have to play any games. I do Paul Bippity now. Boop. I actually write songs as Paul. Okay, Reach wait. When you line. interviewed Paul, did you do Paul? Oh yeah, you know, did you do it? I did you I, do Paul when I you did it a little bit. I was a little. I couldn't. You know, I was trying. I didn't want to piss him off, but I, I probably yeah, did I had a interview little bit. paralysis. Yeah, I was like, I'm Dana's Yoko. I mean, <laughs> there's just so many things you're scared to say to him because you don't. He he seems very light on his feet, but you just yeah. he's too respected. You can't risk. He was. It. Yeah, he was, he's a, he's a sir, right? Yeah, he's too. It's yeah. too big a deal. We didn't go there with Sir. At first, I read a lot of Liverpudlian phrases. So I, I said, "Did you have your brekkie? Your brekkie?" But he was just waking up. He had a cup of coffee. I don't think he knew what I was talking. That's <laughs> breakfast in Liverpudlian language. A scouser. You know, we had a good time. This is him now. You know, we did some things. We tried. No, he got into it. He got into it toward the end. We loved he was it. Really, but, he yeah, we were getting stuff for me, Cheryl. It was just electrifying. And he wanted to talk about the Beatles the whole time. Oh my God! But I didn't know that in the beginning. You hear it from the Uh, guy. All right. So anyway. All right. Let let her go back to Cheryl. uh, Everybody loves you. You're an you're uh, you're a um, 
a great artist. I don't like, you know, oh, legacy, you. what's that? And you know, you're in Nashville. You're like a teenager. Yeah. You know, look a teen- at- Really? In Nashville teenager country, is 60. Country music does not have an age. That's what's brilliant about it. You, no, it's true, it does not. You do pop, yeah. rock, jazz, you do every style, but you also can do country. I have to say, I feel like I'm in my 20s. You look um, and like that's why I 20s. really like doing podcasts because, mm-hmm. as far as your listening audience knows, I look like I'm in my twenties. There, I said it. You look great. Your voice is still uh, raspy and sexy, and then your your singing is still perfect. Because I'm still so. smoking like a fiend. You're yeah, good. No, I'm kidding, you stayed I'm really fit even when you were touring. I was I was going to ask how you stayed so fit um, throughout your career because usually you tour a um, lot. You know, I, I mean, you little... I have to I have to admit. Um, it is genetic. What? Yes, it's genetic. I'm, just, I'm from a long line of wiry and petite, fit. small, petite, wiry people. So you don't gain weight. You just kind of, and you work out on stage when you're out there. I work time. out on stage and I'm very, I mean, I get up in the morning and I do not sit down. I mean, I'm, I'm always doing. Her backstage rider is five Triscuits and a Slim Jim. And that's all I get all that's day. That's it. And one five hour energy. <laughs> Uh, that's my actually that's mine uh all right cheryl let's let her go dana cheryl, she's been we, too we nice yes, thank you bye, bye cheryl it's s- good to see y'all we'll see you soon i'm sure in nashville i hope so call me when you come to nashville will do okay bye hon. Bye, right, bye cheryl love you love you Hey, what's up, flies? What's up, fleas? What's up, people that listen? We want to hear from you and your dumb questions. Questions, ask us anything. Anything you want. You can email us at flyonthewall at cadence13.com. If it... <laughs> if it makes you happy. <laughs> okay, I'm not even going to look at the question. Just you tell me. What is okay. This is from Ryan Sozen. Hi, Ryan. Okay. Hi, David and Dana. Okay, here okay. it is for so far. I know you like a little ego boost to start. So love the show. They did say that? Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I was wondering why you both chose stand-up over improv en route to SNL. Did you consider improv? What makes a funny person more successful at one over the other? It's a two-parter. Yeah. Okay, I would say improv is harder for me. I'm pretty good on my feet, but to go those improv freeze tag games and things you do, we would do it at the end of a comedy show once in a blue moon in Arizona at Anderson's Fifth Estate. And they would get up to the host and all the comics get up and the crowd would yell out. But it was like, freeze. Then you go and then you go, oh, holy super glue, Batman. You know, my <laughs> hand is stuck here. But there was, I could see yeah. that they were doing like the same kind of ones. Well, and, stock prob. I've been yeah, an improv stock group, group really- open for me. The first night, it's like <laughs> people are yelling out movie styles, like Woody Allen. And then they all go, sure, you know, you great. No, you know. Crazy. And then the next night they yell out Woody Allen. And they're all going, sure. You know, I go, this is not improv. Stock prob. It's stock prob. Yeah. That's hard though. It's hard to do improv, real improv. When I watch whose line is it anyway, uh, it's just different muscles. Um, stand up is one thing; it's written mostly, and uh, improv is improv. But they can both get you on SNL. They can both help you. And I would say and for TV. me, I might have if I was in LA and got a whole or the Groundlings. They didn't have stuff like that in San Francisco, so I didn't know about it. I think so, I might have joined it. Sometimes the problem is n- some of the uh, not. Uh, top tier ones will say oh come audition oh you know you're really good for 500 you can join this level and then they keep getting 500 to go to the next level and they're just letting anyone it's like do amway it. yeah and it's <laughs> and just you bring your friend in pyramid 10%. scheme and you're at the end of the you're out 10 grand but you can go oh holy 
Super glue, Batman. You know. I was trying to do sketch my whole life, but I was in honky tonk bars, so it was like really hard, you know. Uh, and it took me three years to say I'm going to be another character for a minute, and it was All like right. I had sunglasses. I was trying oh, to be because they didn't like it. Well, because I was terrified of. It was just scary. Like I had a character called Dana Babe. Oh, you're fabulous. It was my first character. I put sunglasses on. I was horrible, but that's where I got the guts to do sketch. Sketch stand-up, I call it. All right. Next week, we're going to do a whole half hour on Dana Babe. <laughs> Bell, oh, flash story. It was in the other cafe, and the people who were headlining there got sandwiches, and there was the Dana Babe sandwich. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's not I'm not bad. kidding. I, there's a picture somewhere. There's a Joe Pizza down at Mutt's in Dana Babe. Newport. I had big yellow goggle sunglasses. All right. Thank you for that question. Thank Man. you. Really appreciate it. Keep sending Ryan. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 